0: Good morning, Grace Life. How's everybody doing today? Trying to stay warm? Trying to stay cool? We're glad as soon as Ron figures out how to turn my game down. We're giving Ron his first shot at the soundboard today. Has he done a great job so far this morning? Ron, you've done awesome. It's been good. So He's been watching back there for a couple weeks. And today we said, it's all you, buddy. No, not just me. Yes, it's all on you. So he's back there trying to figure things out with a little help, but he's getting things figured out. So, Ron, I appreciate you stepping up to help out. Today, we're going to be back in the book of Zechariah. The book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. A few years back, every year, at the beginning of the year, my pattern generally is, I ask God, I say, God, what do you want me to read this year in your scripture? How do you want me to approach your word this year as i get ready to get into a brand new calendar year what do you want me to spend my time in and about four or five years ago i felt like god telling me i want you to focus on the minor prophets i was like really really god minor prophets those are like your judgment on everybody it's like not very fun reading god it's i know there's only a short section of the old testament but really god the minor prophets yeah read the minor prophets so i did I read read through the Minor Prophets. I enjoyed them. And then I got done and said, okay, God, now what? I've got about six months left on the calendar year. He goes, i will go back and read them again. But God, then nothing's changed. Didn't I learn it the first time? He goes, I don't know, did you? Okay, God, I'll go back and read the Minor Prophets again. And so I got back into it. So for a whole calendar year, I basically spent my time going through the Minor Prophets in the Old Testament. And I came out of that year going, Wow, it's not just books about God's judgment. It's not just books about God coming down on Israel and those who oppressed Israel. It's a, books about God's love and they're, how they're pointing to what God is gonna do in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. And there's just some, some great, exciting stuff here. And read through the book of Zechariah twice in that year and other times since then. As I'm just reminded again of how God is continually calling his people home. As I mentioned last week as we started the series, Zechariah was a book written, and, and really the prophet Zechariah was announcing, he was pronouncing God's word to the people of Israel and reminding them this is who you are as a people. You've been stuck in Babylon for 70 years, you've been in exile for 70 years, and now I'm telling you go home. Go back to the land where I planted you, go back to the promised land. When you go back there, you build. You prosper and you reach your community. You reach those that are there, because the land has changed. It's not going to be as easy as it was before. Life is not as your aunt, as your grand as the grandparents remembered it. It's totally different. It's changed. But I want you to go back there and become my people again. So, in spite of all the seventy years you were stuck in Babylon, I did not forget you. Remember last week, I did not forget you. Come home. Today we're going to build on that in Zechariah chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, go open up to Zechariah chapter two this morning, because we're going to build on that theme and how God's view of His children, and this is kind of the topic this morning. How His children are the apple of His eye. God's children are the apple of His eye. There's not literally an apple in the middle of his eye. But think about that for a minute. What does that mean to be the apple of God's eye? What do you think about when you think about God? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? A.W. Tozer says this, he goes, what comes in our what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us or the most important thing to us. What do you think about when you, when you think about God? Do you think of this big bully? Maybe a nasty overlord keeping you from having any fun, a grinch? Or do you, think of, do you think of a merciful or benevolent father figure? Or is the idea of thinking him as a father very difficult? If you didn't have a relationship with your father maybe that's tough. What do you think about when you think about God? See, it's how we view him has a direct impact on our willingness to repent and come into his presence. If you view him as this overlord, this one that's pressing us down, who's trying to keep you from having an enjoyable, fun life, you're going to not really necessarily want to come into his presence. You're going to want to hang out back in the back row. You're going to want to hang out back there and avoid presence of God at all costs but if you view him maybe as as this loving merciful father that embraces you you're going to crawl up in his lap and and put your arms around him and he's sitting there on the throne and, and embrace him you want to be in his presence and maybe that changes through your life that's okay you may view him one way one one month another way another month another way another month it depends on what's going on in our lives as we live our lives how much sin we get involved with, in, how much unrepentant sin we continue on with in our lives. See, we as believers, as, as the children of God, we have to think biblically about God's character as it has been revealed in the Bible. We can't allow the culture around us to dictate how we view God. We have to let, let God be God. We can't let our culture and all those around us and those speaking words into our lives and those who don't know Jesus dictate to us who God is. How would you like it if somebody came up and never met you, never had a relationship with you and said, I want you to know this is who Steve Bannister really is. And they know nothing about you. They're telling you how awful he is, what bad character he's got, how he beats his wife. Is that right, Linda? Okay, it's not true. He's telling you all these nasty, evil things about Steve, and he has no him from Adam. We have to let God's word dictate to us who God is. So I want to read this morning from Psalm 103. As we get into this, I want you to hear about the character of This is what David says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord, he works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide nor keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward all those who fear as far as the east is from the west east is from east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us as a father shows compassion to his children so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him for he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust as for man his days are like grass he flourishes like the flower of the field for the wind passes over and it is gone and its place it knows it no more but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on all those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obey the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will, Bless the Lord, all his works, in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's the kind of God that we serve. That is the God who is calling his people back from, from Babylon. He's bringing his people back to Israel so they can reclaim and become known again as the children and the people of God. He wants to make himself known once again to those people. See, as I said, we must think biblically about God's character and let the word of God define for us who God is. Not the culture, not judges, not our teachers, not your neighbor down the street. On top of that, we must also begin to think biblically about who God is, about how God thinks about us. Because it'd be, it's very easy for us to think according to, again, about those around us who are speaking words into us, who are telling us how God really feels. We need to think biblically about that. Think biblically about who God is and how much he loves us. We need to understand God's mind. The best way to understand God's mind is to read his love letter to you and I. This is his love letter. It's not just a history book that maybe... You avoid it while you're in school. It's not just a philosophy book that maybe you avoided when you were in school. It's not a math book that I know I avoided when I was in school. It's none of those things. This is God's love letter to you and I. And so we might know his mind, understand his character, and understand who he is and how much he loves us and wants us to impact the world around us. So with that in mind, Let's look at the backstory here in Zechariah chapter 2. As we look at this backstory, the first five verses, we've talked a little bit about how he's calling people back out of Babylon to return to the land. Listen to what he says as he's thinking about his people in the land, in the city of Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1 through 5 says, Zechariah is proclaiming, he says, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man. With a measuring line in his hand, and he said. Then I said, "Where are you going?" And he said to me, "To measure Jerusalem to see what is the width and the length." And behold, the angel who, who and the angel who talked with me came forward. And another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, "Run! Say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of the people and the livestock in it. And I will be to her a wall of fire around," declares the Lord. And I will be the glory in her midst. And what is that talking about? Zechariah is, is, gets a vision of God restoring the city of Jerusalem. His city. His city. Now, in other words, he's going to rebuild the people his people in his city and restore them to the glory that they once were, to bring them back into that land because he loves the city, he loves his people, and he wants to have his continued relationship with them. Yes, they were disciplined for seven years. Yes, they had abandoned God's word for hundreds of years. And when his anger finally caught up with them, they sent them into exile. And now they're coming back he says, not only i going to restore the city, I'm going to restore you because I love you. And I love what he says in verse 5. He says, and I will be to her a wall of fire all around. I will be the glory in her midst. He is going to be right there in the midst of them. That's his promise. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I know the city and the, and the surrounding countryside has been overcome by bandits, been overcome by all kinds of other nations, but I will not abandon you. You are my people. The city at this time was in total ruins. It was still being rebuilt. When Nehemiah came back, they found the walls totally destroyed and, and The people were demoralized, those who didn't get taken away. They've been oppressed by nations around there. They've been oppressed by lots of people. And they were totally demoralized and discouraged. And everybody in Israel, they kind of, the question was, God, do you remember us? God, do you see us? Do you see what we're going through? How we are struggling as a people? God's reminding them that he has never abandoned them. He never forgot them. He always saw the oppression of his people. And now, like this wall of fire, this hedge of fire around his people, his glory is gonna be in their midst, protecting them, letting them know that I'm your God. I am here. You can count on me to never leave you nor forsake you. Just like he did in the wilderness, bringing them out of Egypt, a pillar by a fire at night, a pillar by a cloud by day. I will never leave you, I will always be with you, period, to the end of the days. Just like he brought the people out of Ur, Abraham brought them out of Ur, the Chaldees, to the Promised Land, led him just where he wanted them to go, led them to Egypt, led them back to the Promised Land, Did that because they were the apple of his eye. They were his people, his children. And then, verses six, the rest of the chapter is basically his message to his people. Look what he says here in return to those returning. He says, Up, up, flee from the land of the north. That's Babylon, declares the Lord. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of heavens declares the Lord, escape to Zion, you who dwell with the daughter of Zion. So the people of Zion, whom God had scattered like the four winds of heaven in every direction there, he's calling upon them to return to Jerusalem. Even those who live there in the promised land, they've been oppressed by those nations around them and they left the city, they had abandoned their, their task and they had gone out to all the areas around there. God's command is come back, come back, go home, come back to the land. Discipline is going to come to Babylon in the form of Assyria, getting ready to come in and stomp on them. All right, God says, I will judge the people. I will judge those who oppressed you. Yes, I know you're being disciplined. Verse 8 9, he talks to the judged. He says, Those oppressive nations are going to be judged. He says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory, send me to the nations who plundered you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Behold, I will shake my hand over them and they shall become plunder for those who serve them. Then you will know the authority of hosts his See his command here, is, his, his message here is Israel you are special. People of God you are special. Those who oppressed you I am going to come and judge. Do not fear. I am with you. Ironically those who plundered God's people are now going to be plundered by the Lord Himself. In fact, the word "plunder" in Hebrew "shalal" means to be taken by force. God is going to come in like a, a conquering army to overcome and oppress those people who, who oppressed His those His people. God will come back and take over His land again. He saw. So, the mistreatment of his people. He takes care of his own. Those who mistreated Israel would now be judged. The Israelites have been scattered by the centuries a blatant disregard of God's laws. They've been humbled, forced to remember that God is God. They let their sins build up over the years Abandoned the sacrifices in the temple. And God had to bring judgment to remind them that they were not all dead. That God is God. And that we're to obey him. But in through all of that, he never took his eye off of his people. See the eye being the apple of his eye, literally it means it's the pupil of his eye. They were the very center part of his eye. He was always seeing what they were about. You and I, as God's children as well, we are likewise the apple of his eye. We're the center of his eye. He always sees what is going on with us. Now that may excite you, but that may scare you. He sees what you do in secret. He sees what you do in public. He sees the way you behave when you're not in church. He sees the way you treat... Your spouse, he sees the way you treat your kids. And kids, he sees the way you treat your parents. He always sees. See, God's holiness requires our holiness. And yet he is always actively looking for ways to bring us back into his favor. He is always looking for ways. He never abandons us. We might abandon him. We might walk away from that relationship. But if you are a child of God, he has never closed off the door. Even if you're not a child of God, he never closes the door. Up until your last breath, he always holds out hope for you and me. It's always there. His holiness requires our holiness. But he never stops looking for ways to bring us back in. See, God, in verse 10 through 12, he desires to be near us. He desires our nearness. Look at verse 10 to 12. It says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord many nations shall join themselves in the Lord and that day it shall be my people and I will dwell in your midst you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you and the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion of the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem God desires to be near his people he desires to be near his people he desires to be close to his people His expressions of God's blessings on Israel include, the Lord is coming to dwell among them. Like the hedge of fire around them and his glory will be in their midst. And he's gonna join themselves to Judah on that day to become his people again. See, one of the greatest benefits for God's people is living, is God living in the midst of us. He's not just some statue on our mantle. He's not just some picture on our wall. He's not just some symbol on a cross, on a necklace, or in an ear pair of earrings, or just some image that we have in our minds. We serve a living God who desires a deep, close, meaningful relationship with his people. And because this nearness was part of God's design from the very beginning, in creation he put in the Garden of Eden, he didn't set himself up on this pedestal. He didn't set himself up on the throne and say, Adam and Eve, you may never approach my throne. They were walking in the garden with God, hand in hand with God. When they sinned against God, what they do, they hid. They were hiding behind the sycamore tree, right? Or behind the palm tree. You got the big palm oil branches out there. They were hiding from God because they knew that God was, could see them. They're used to walking with God. So they heard him walking in the garden, in the coolness of the day. They did not want to be with him. They didn't want to be near him. That's what sin does to us. It removes us from the presence of God so that we do not want to be near him. Whoa! that's right. God wants to be near us. He desires a relationship with us, right? Throughout all the rest of the Old Testament, whenever we see the people of God, they could never stay in God's presence consistently. There were times they did, right? There were times they came back and they fell away, they came back, they fell away, they came back and fell away. But whenever they fell away is because of their own sinful influences. They couldn't keep the law perfectly. God gave the law to them so they could understand that they could not keep the law. They could not find holiness and perfection in following the law of the Old Testament. Only one man has ever been able to do that. That's the God man, Lord Jesus Christ. Only one. God came out of his throne in glory, inhabited, became Jesus, lived a perfect, sinless life for you and I because we could not do it. Fulfill the requirements of the law so that we could be permanently near to God again without any separation. The people who are far away from God to sin, can in. See, one of our key purposes as a church and as a people of God is this. We exist to help those who are far from God find their way back into his presence. So many people in this world are far from God. Many by their own choosing, some because of their ignorance, because they don't know, they've never been taught. But either way, they're responsible for their actions. We are responsible for how we live. We are responsible as the people of God to communicate the truth and the message and the love of God to all mankind. If they're walking and breathing, you talk to them, you share with them. If they're wearing flip-flops or dress shoes, you talk to them. If they're going barefoot and they got nasty, gnarly toes and toenails, you talk to them. If they smile and they got four teeth, you talk to them. If they got a full set of teeth, you talk to them. If they have long beard, you talk to them. If they got no beard, or if they're like some some of our friends in the back who can't grow a beard, you still talk to them. It's okay. You got a lot of hair, no hair. You got a lot of education, no education. You got 14 passports or one passport. It doesn't matter. If they're far from God, our purpose is to bring them near to the presence of God. We can't force them. We simply share with them the truth that God desires to have this special relationship with him. that's the last point is the presence of God. The special relationship that we have, understanding and knowing the presence of God. Look at verse 13. He says, be silent all flesh before the Lord. Be silent in the presence of God, for he has roused himself today from his holy dwelling. Be silent. The lion's move are unmoved the line of Judah is present. Be silent. Be in awe. Worship the Lord of Lords and King of kings. See, in light of how God has revealed himself to his people, the only fitting response was awe-filled, silent submission to his might. When we think about going to heaven, we think about those who have gone on to heaven before us Loved ones, brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, best friends. In our human minds, we're thinking, I can't wait to see this person again. I can tell you, when we go to heaven, the very first thing we're going to do is be in awe. Because we're going to be in the presence of God. Our loved ones, our best friends, those that we look forward to seeing right now, they're going to be standing behind Jesus going, look at him, look at him. He's awesome. They're going to be there saying, don't look at me, look at him. He is why we exist. He is who we should long for. His presence, his nearness, we should desire to be with him. That's part of what we were created for. To glorify him and enjoy him forever. How can you enjoy something you don't spend time with? How can you enjoy something that you don't get near to? How can you enjoy something you don't have in your presence on a regular basis? Hopefully on Sunday mornings, you don't have to wake up and go, dust off your Bible. You're going, I got it on my phone. I dust it off every day. Check an email, Facebook. Hopefully you don't have to dust off the app. You don't have to dust off your Bible that you long, to spend time in the presence of God every single day. So Israel had to learn again as they came back to the land that his presence is good. It's not something to be feared. It's not something to keep away from. His presence is good and he desires them with him. So the message that Zechariah sent to the people of Israel was come home go home go back to the land God is waiting go back to the land and you'll find the presence of God go back to the land you continue doing what we're supposed to be doing wherever you workshop eat play and live you take the message of God to those who are far away from God you want to bring them near. wherever it may be back to the presence of Let me bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute this morning as we, as cares comes to lead us in the final song. Let me ask you this morning, are you far from God? Have you found yourself far from God this morning? Maybe through no fault of your own, maybe you, you didn't know how great this God was, you don't know how awesome God is and you've not heard the message of the truth of the gospel. You've not heard about how much God loves you and he desires this intimate relationship with you? Through no fault of your own, that has never been communicated to you. Whether you're here in this room or watching online this morning, I want you to know that God desires a very intimate relationship with you and you can get that fixed this morning. You can come to him the very first time simply by submitting yourself and humbling yourself and submitting yourself to the love of God. Letting Him come in and forgive your sins. Maybe you're sitting here this morning or watching online and you say, Pastor, I've already become a Christian in my life. I've already received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But I feel like there's a distance, a gulf between God and me. And this morning, I want to close that gulf. I want to... Come near to God again. This invitation is for you as well. If you desire to either receive him as your Lord and say for the first time or come back to him again, say, God, here I am. I screwed up again. I need you again. I want to open up this altar again this morning as we did last week and say, if you feel like you need to come down here and pray, you need to get it right with God. You need to come down here and say, God, I've messed up again. This altar is right here, old school altar. Come down, you can pray. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'm here. I can pray with you. Regina's here, we can pray with you. Others here in this room, we can pray with you. But don't let this day go by without getting right with God. He desires it to receive. Get us get that relationship restarted again today. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord God, I thank you so much that you have given us the opportunity to know you, to know you not just as a, a friend, or not just as an acquaintance, but to know you intimately. Father, today I ask and I pray that if there are those in the room or those watching, that they would not leave before getting themselves right with you. That you would open up their hearts and their minds right now to the sinful areas in their lives that they've not yet turned over to you. That little space in their heart, the little space in their life, they've been trying to keep secret to everyone but you because you see all. Lord, they would commit that, give that over to you this morning. Lord, you're the God of second chances, third chances, fifth chances, 12 chances, 375 chances, and on and on. This morning, God, let us restart and draw near an to you again. In Jesus' name, I pray.